Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Starting your week off right with the morning cup of Joe with the Joes. Yes. And my my other half, Dominic Salee. <laughs> How are you feeling this beautiful Monday morning? You know, I'm feeling good. We had a fantastic weekend of fights. Bellator 266, UFC Vegas 37, or Smith versus Span for what Noah wants to do with these <laughs> Vegas events now. But uh, it was a good, a good weekend with some friends, family. Again, the fights, a lot of good takeaways that we get to discuss today. We got a decent amount of news. The fall weather is really brewing up this mid-September afternoon. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to get chatting with you here in the studio. How are you? Feel good, man. Still, cough is still lingering. Uh, for everyone who doesn't know, every time seasons change, I don't know if I mentioned it the last couple of episodes, I've had a cough, but seasons change and that cough just lingers. And in today's climate, not the best thing you want to yeah. have lingering around. Yeah. People be looking at you a little funny. So <laughs> they do. Um, I'm hopefully it won't pop up in this episode, but if it does, mind your business. All right. <laughs> But no, it was a great weekend of fights. I love when you have multiple events going on. And one led directly into the other, basically. You know, mm-hmm. the UFC ended, and I was able to catch the rest of the Bellator card. Um, you know, obviously Bellator, the main event being the biggest fight by far, but even its co-main event, you know, had a big standout performance. And the UFC card had a lot of performances scattered around, you know, even early in the prelims to the main event itself. So um, we got a lot to talk about here, so I think we just better get right into it. Sounds good to me, partner. Fight announcements. November 20th, five days before a very special 24th birthday that I will not indulge. You guys right. will figure it out. Yeah. Adrian Yanez, the rising star in the Bantamweight division. He's not going up against his best friend, Randy Costa, again, but he will be going up against Davey Grant. A guy who I don't think is anybody's friend in the cage. Yeah. Um, he went to war with Marlon Barra in his last fight in a losing effort, but still, what an effort, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So now these two get matched up. It's a big jump up for Yanez, it feels like, but it, it's proper. So, Dominic, what can people expect from this bout? I mean, is this perfect matchmaking or is it perfect matchmaking? Because both these guys are super fan-friendly. The fans love when these guys step into that octagon. Uh, and get into a fist fight, and that's what this is going to be, right? Both guys are fantastic strikers, very precise, very technical, powerful for the 135-pound division. But, uh, you know, in terms of Davy Grant, also well-rounded on the ground. Yanez, we haven't seen tested much there, so this could be a big coming-out party for him in terms of showing his complete skill set. Two guys that still have top 15 hopes and to make a splash into this stacked bantamweight division. I love everything about this fight, and I don't know – off the top of my head, other fights that are happening on this card, but this all of a sudden just took the number one spot for the potential fight of the night. That I can guarantee. Yeah, even you don't even have to look any deeper. Just, <laughs> no. Yep, that's the one. But uh, yeah, Davy Grant's flirted with top fifteen a little bit. Um, his loss to Vera kind of shut that out for now. Mm-hmm. Um, Yanez has just been a rising star. You know, guy was a star at LFA. It's uh, come over here, made a big splash, looked really good. Um, been we've been happy to cover, I'm pretty sure, the majority of his UFC bouts so far. So I'm very happy with that. And, you know, this is just feels proper for both guys. And 
um, with the win here for either one. And I think top 15 is next, assuming it's a good performance, a good fight, like we assume it will be. Uh, so a lot at stake here, especially mm-hmm. for a guy like Davy Grant, who's already kind of had his test with top 15 and it didn't exactly go well, I guess, or go in his favor. It was right. a good fight. But, um, you know, maybe more at stake for him. But Yanez, you know, doesn't want to get that hype train derailed either. So Exactly. Um, following that, UFC 269 had a bout uh, added to its card because there was a bout on December 4th, and they decided we're going to push it back one more week, and that's flyweight contenders Matt Schnell versus Alex Perez. And, you know, for our hardcore listeners, <laughs> they might be able to pick up on, I feel like I've heard those two names being moved before. Yeah, You'd be right. This is <laughs> number four. Number four. four and we talked about it every single time. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure the first time this fight was announced was, like, for March or April. Yeah. yeah. And it still hasn't happened. And, you know, that this is really – I mean, okay, this last time is just a week. But once I saw that on Twitter, I think, where it was, like, the amount of mm-hmm. events this was scheduled for, I mean, after a while, it's like <laughs> – I don't even know. Like it, these guys, basically, twenty twenty one has been kind of a wash for them. Yeah, in it's some sense. It is unfortunate, and you know, for Alex Perez, I feel like it's even more so because sure, mm-hmm. Schnell gets a big opportunity here to possibly go top five, and I know he wants that. But for Perez, a guy who's already proven to be a top five talent, and he's a guy that's fought for a title before, because he wasn't able to have this fight go through in March or April or May or whenever it was kind of first booked if he would have made a big performance there he could have been the guy fighting brandon moreno on this very card yeah Uh, so that's the one this is the first time we're kind of seeing this bout being moved around affecting um that and i wonder if that's the reason this is being moved perhaps one of these two being able to step in if uh davison or moreno aren't able to fight on the night of so um wouldn't surprise me but it's a good fight still. I mean, we've talked about this yeah. a few times. So, I mean, any anything else, Don, before we move on? No, sir. All right. Last one. A week later, December 18th. Dominic's going to have a lot to say about this one. Yeah, yeah. You got the, the veteran of the Bantamweight division, a man who's beaten TJ Dillashaw. Never fought for a title, but he's kind of at the tail end of his career here, really trying to just stay alive. And that's Rafael Asuncao. He's got a tough test in the growing and surging Ricky Simone. Dominic, I know you're war Ricky all day. Yeah. But talk about, you know, why this is a test for him, even though his son Sal's had better days behind him. Still a big step for Ricky Simone here, correct? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's a huge step up. It's his chance to crack in to the ranks. Of course, Rafael, number 12 right now in this Bantamweight division. Gosh, this division is just something else, isn't it? <laughs> but, uh, you know, Sunsal, a seasoned veteran that's been there and done that with some of the best of this 135-pound weight class and all of the promotions he's been in. Ricky Simone, on the other hand, a fantastic grappler, uh, awesome wrestler, but has – grown in his striking over the years and as we've seen him in the ufc he's really starting to put it all together right now obviously you know his biggest name uh prior going into this one anyway was the uriah Faber fight a few years back and he fell short pretty badly in that one so now obviously he's went back to the drawing board as i said he's riding some momentum right now on the win streak can he now come into his all pick up this big win and finally 
launch into this top 15 of the division that people have been waiting to see him in for quite some time now, including myself. So I'll be very curious to see how he can respond to this very tough test because, as Noah said, a sunset on his way out, yes, but still a tough out for anyone. Uh, so I'm very excited for this one. I think it's a very fun stylistic bout here between the two because the Suns house is well-rounded as they come. Uh, so can Ricky kind of solve that puzzle and uh, get the biggest win of his career? That's what I'm excited for. You know, with Ricky, when he fought your right favor, I think at the time he was just so much greener. Yes. You know, you look at the fighter that was in that fight, and obviously that fight ended very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at that that Ricky Simone versus the guy who has been making big waves in this past year, past couple years. It's like night and day. Yeah. And that just comes with a lot of growth. Um, you know, I think the matchup with him and Uriah was weird at the time. At the time, I wasn't even really that all aware of Ricky Simone. And I was like, why is Uriah Faber coming back to fight some prospect? Like, I was yeah. like, this is kind of weird. Well, Uriah Faber coming out of retirement, probably wanting to try to get him a win and his big bounce back. Um, but now Ricky Simone's proven to be actually a commodity for this promotion. So, mm-hmm. Uh, Rafael Sansum makes sense. I don't think we've seen a Sun South fight since that highlight real KO loss to Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. So back against the wall here. I look forward to it though. Probably be some, a lot of grappling potentially in that fight. Yeah, it could be fun. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for the fight announcements. Still got a little bit more news. We start with Bellator. This one hurts. Yeah, it does. Dominic, you sent this to me yesterday. I was tailgating because um, it's homecoming weekend, as I mentioned, or maybe I didn't mention that. Uh, homecoming weekend <clears throat> is this weekend. So um, tailgating the football game yesterday, and I get my phone lights up. Yeah. Instagram message from Dom. I put a Just damper brought, on Noah's parade. Oh, <laughs> damper, he did. This Grand Prix has taken a tumble as Anthony Rumble Johnson. See what he did there? <laughs> As uh, is unfortunately out of his scheduled bout for the light heavyweight title and ultimately a chance to be in the final of the Grand Prix against Vadim Nemkov. Um, and, you know, based off what Dominic was telling me right before we started recording, I wasn't aware of how serious potentially this is for Anthony mm-hmm. Johnson. So, you know, no jokes about that. Uh, hope he recovers fully. Hopefully just, you know, Quality of life is more important than any sort of fight yeah, exactly. career. Um, so I guess, Dominic, we know this is just – and I guess, let me mention, he's being replaced by the number five ranked light heavyweight, Julius Anglicus. Uh, regardless, Dominic, this is a big blow to this light heavyweight Grand Prix. And while mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to be insensitive to um, – you know, the current status of Rumble Johnson, who we're still not really knowing what's going on with him, but it, based on his own comments, it just seems severe. very severe. But this is just kind of another blow in his sort of beginning here in Bellator. Um, is this signing looking to be possibly, I mean, you can't really predict things like this, um, but is this signing maybe looking to be a bit, um, short-sighted or maybe a bit over overrated at this point? As is that is that accurate at this point? I mean, um, it's an assessment, I guess, to at least be had, right? Because he <clears> comes <throat> in, 
Obviously, he was going to have the fight with Yoel. It falls through because Yoel's eye injury, but then he ends up getting a fight, um, gets the quick KOTK, looked great in that one after having adversity in that first round, may I add. But then he kind of has the legal troubles outside of the cage down there in Florida with the identity thing. I still don't really know all the details on I, that. But. that I, I don't know if we've ever gotten answers on that. Yeah. But that was, I mean, just to be clear, I believe the story was that uh, that he was arrested because he was being accused of stealing someone's identity to buy plane tickets. Yeah, something and strange. That story just got kind of swept under the rug. And, you know, again, hoping all maybe not the best time to be talking about this because this man is apparently in not in the best physical shapes. But I mean, I just feel like that story just kind of was a thing for like a day. I mean, he was arrested after his fight. Yeah. Before he could leave the building. Yeah. And Nobody really has talked about it, and I just think that's very strange. Maybe they got dropped and we didn't hear about it. I don't know, but right. Um, regardless, weird start, and then you're going to continue. Right. It's just at the end of the day, not talking bad about the guy. We're painting the picture of what this year since he's been with Bellator has looked mm-hmm. like, right? And now everything had since cleared again from all that drama. He was getting ready to fight Vadim Nimkov, the current champion. He's in the semifinals of the Grand Prix. Uh, I thought that was going to be a fantastic fight, by the way. It was coming up in about three weeks. It's October yeah. 16th, I believe. Um, but then he falls through here due to injury, and it seems pretty serious. So, obviously, uh, you know, our thoughts to uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson, a legend of the light heavyweights, the power puncher that he is and the action mm-hmm. that he brings. I hope everything's okay. I hope it's not too serious. He wants to get back here, back in there in early 2022. So, uh, obviously, our thoughts and good good vibes to Anthony Rumble Johnson. And we will give a moment to talk about Julius Anglica since he mm-hmm. is now being shot into a, his first title fight. Yeah. Um, against Vadim Nemkov. Uh, Dominic, he is nine and one. He does have a win on Dana White's contender series, fun, fun fact. Uh, however, in Bellator, he is three and oh up to this point. Um, number five ranked light heavyweight, but this is definitely by far a huge step up for him um, in terms of really everything that could be uh, measured. All three of his wins in Bellator have been unanimous decision. Um, he looks like a guy, based off of his wins, most of them being submissions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a fair assumption to be made that uh, Anglicus is a bit more on the grapple-heavy side, um, which is an interesting matchup considering Vadim Nemkov being so deadly on the feet. Yeah. So, Dominic, we know that with these late replacements, anytime it's happened in Grand Prix, whether it's Strike Force, Bellator, Pride, a lot of times you can't sleep on the late replacements. So, um, any shot, any chance that uh, Anglicans can come in here and shock the world? Oh, of course it's possible. I mean, you got to look, he's a complete opposite fire, fighter stylistically than Anthony Johnson was. And, you know, Vadim Nimkov, a world class kickboxer, he was getting ready to go toe to toe in the striking realm for 25 minutes, I'm sure with a uh, rumble, but now all of a sudden with three weeks to go, you've got this phenomenal grappler who's riding hot right now, three and oh in Bellator as Noah said. Uh, and it's a guy that can go the distance. He's shown that we'll see if he can do the extra 10 minutes. Should it go that far? But I think it is still an interesting fight. You still, at the end of the day, get a top five guy uh, kind of next up. He's ready. He's willing. He's able. I think it could be, if not more interesting of about, honestly, just because of the mm. underdog factor here. So I'll be curious to see how he kind of performs under the bright lights. Yeah, it's hard to go into this fight with um, 
more excitement than Nemkov and Rumble Johnson, but I don't think it's uh, too far out of limb, too, too, too much of a hot take to say that this fight between Anglicus and Nemkov could be more competitive or even just mm-hmm. a better fight than uh, Rumble Johnson and Nemkov. And, you know, maybe we should even touch on that. You know, I, I know we want to move on, but also the champion, Vadim Nemkov, he kind of suffers from this as well because this was yeah. supposed to be a huge moment potentially for him. Uh, you get your biggest name in Rumble Johnson, a guy who's fought for UFC light heavyweight titles, and, you know, you're still a guy really trying to build a name for yourself. Sure, the win over Ryan Bader to win the belt, big deal, but you're still really trying to make – make get some respect on your name as a pound for pound great not only in bellator but across all promotions oh yeah and that win would have done so now he doesn't get that he has to fight a guy julius anglicus who is not known really at all even though he is number five so that could potentially play a factor too dominic the mental game you know feeling like you have less to gain from this matchup you know yeah, I like that uh, thought there. And again, Nimkov is the guy that is dominant, is great. He's a great champion, and he's still kind of young into his career where he can, you know, finish out this Grand Prix and become a free agent and maybe, just maybe, make it into the UFC 205 pound division. So there is still a lot riding on this for him. So again, not the biggest of names, but still a chance for him to go out and prove I'm the best here no matter who my opponent is. I'm looking forward to that Grand Prix semifinal. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on to what we missed. Um, so this is a new, uh, I guess, segment in the show. How about that? As, as you guys have noticed in these previews and recaps, we, we start fight announcements slash news in the beginning. Then the second half is the fight analysis, whether it's previewing or recapping, and ultimately the rest being a lot of those smaller fights that we uh, want to talk about that maybe aren't headline worthy. Uh, this is – we tried last – on Friday – to do the rest with news stories as well. Mm-hmm. It was fine, but I want to keep everything set. Like I want to, like I think together. for this show. Yeah. Like keep the news and stuff on the first half, second half, all fights. So right. because of that, this is going to be almost like the rest for news. Right. It's just what we missed. And these are just uh, smaller stories that while being big deals and worth talking about, um, probably not going to be, 20 minute conversation on it just stuff that worth talking about but maybe not headline worthy and uh, that starts with the legend of mma retiring dominic mm-hmm. harlow's condit rest of i'm not i'm supposed to be hey, hold on um now. <laughs> let me correct myself there <laughs> peace out to a real one there you go um this guy is a legend of the sport he's been in some of the most fun fights in mma history Dominic, I'm going to put you on the spot again, like I did with Benavidez. Is there a fight or a moment that you go to when you're remembering the great career of Carlos Conda? See, much like Benavidez, this is another guy, a legend of the WEC days, <laughs> a former champion. But this one, I feel, just because he was in so many barn burner fights and fighting for titles in the UFC as well, his fight with Robbie Lawler, one of the you know best fights of both their careers. It was fight of the year that year. I think that was the one, 2015. 15 i think or 2014 yes. one of the two um because robbie had the back-to-back title fights that were fight of the years that's just robbie that's a story for next week's <laughs> preview episode but uh, carlos Condit, man a legend that was so game so well-rounded on the feet on the ground and he really what was cool is 
he had a rough patch this latter part of his career where he had like five losses in a row, but then he had that one final fight earlier this year, I believe, and he went out with a win, which was needed. It was just nice to see a guy go out, pick up a victory as he goes off into the sunset, a legend of the fight game that will be missed in all of his battles that were so epic. So uh, shout out the natural born killer NBK, Carlos Condit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Robbie Lawler title fight's got to be up there. You know, Robbie yeah. Lawler being my personal favorite fighter. Um, he's also probably one of – people don't really realize this now, but he's probably one of the toughest tests GSP ever yep. uh, had to go through. GSP says the biggest moment of his career was when he was able to come back from the head kick he ate from Carlos Condit. Um, so that says a lot, you know, that Carlos Condit was pretty close to perhaps being – the undisputed welterweight champion of the world multiple times. A lot of people think he should have won that Robbie Lawler fight. Yeah, uh, that fight was a war and awesome fight. Also, the knockout of Dan Hardy, just great stuff for that mm. career. A lot of moments that you can go to, but um, I definitely think this is appropriate time for him to hang him up. You know, it was fun watching him fight. You know, he's been kind of on a resurgence and, and yeah. a, not the same guy, but just you know having fun fights with Matt Brown and stuff like mm. that and. I'm glad though that he's, you know, he's good now. He's like, you know, I can hang him up. Yeah. Uh, next one, we talked about a new MMA league on Friday, and this team-based league that would be run a lot like your NFL or um, Major League Baseball, uh, hockey, National Hockey League, stuff like that. Uh, it has its name. Yeah. That's and a logo, but the the name is the uh, World Fight League. WFL. WFL and the logo pretty clean. Yeah. Um, it, I, as soon as I saw it, I thought of NFL. I don't know if that's kind of like a shield. Yeah, it definitely had that that feel to it. So it felt very you know professional, but felt a little corporate, which you know that's mm-hmm. what those logos are always supposed to. Yeah, feel like a little bit. Um, Dominic, what do you think of the name World Fight League? Pretty simple, right? But uh, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm fine with that, right? It seems like all these fight leagues are pretty simple, I guess, in their names. But then you, we just start diving into names, and I don't want to get into it. I like it. World <laughs> Fight League. It's clean, easy to remember. Logos clean. Got the gold and black kind of look, kind of mm-hmm. like the Vegas Golden Knights. Is what I was about like. to say. That yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, you know, again, we're getting more and more details as the days go by, and as we do, we'll keep covering it here. It's exciting. I'm waiting to just see this official big like a launch of a, like a, we need a video on YouTube with all the details, the owners, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, from right now, all we know that we talked on Friday and now the logo and name here, it's exciting stuff. I think a few more details came out as far as um, now. I can't remember if this, maybe I won't talk about it now. Maybe I'll wait till the, they unveil there. There was a, another MMA promotion that came out. Uh, Dominic, this one hits close to home because uh, yeah. one of the first people to talk about this was uh, one of your co-workers for Overtime Heroics. Yeah. So uh, Brave CF, not FC. I always want to say FC, but it's Brave CF. Um, they're one of the smaller promotions that I believe their fights air on the uh, Fight Pass. But they have announced that they are also going to be changing mm-hmm. their sort of promotion into a league format and um like fifa you know, they said kind of yeah yeah so um because of that now we're gonna have multiple we have multiple promotions talking about doing this at the same time i know brave is smaller but i mean at the same time they actually have an established you know yeah. model 
compared to the World Fight League, which might be getting the headlines, but has nothing right now. So right. Um, very interesting, though, just to hear another another player coming out and being like, yeah, we're going to change our model around too and do this. So I'm wondering if this is going to become some weird trend for a while or what's going on here, but uh, it is exciting times in the world of MMA, correct? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Last one. Let's talk about what everybody came here to listen to, Dominic. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I'm sure you saw this on here and you were like, damn it. Noah <laughs> snuck it, it in here. And <laughs> thriller boxing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the the event that was held, um, I guess, two weekends ago now. Uh, Vitor Belfort versus Evander Holyfield. Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz. Uh, the numbers have come out from this event. Reportedly only getting 150,000 buys, falling well short of their expectations. Um, this became a huge money loss, it appears, for Triller. So, Dominic, two questions. And I'll start with how long can Triller continue to just pump and dump money into their boxing fights when – none of them appear to be making them any money. I mean, how long can this really last for them? It's a great question, Noah. I'll, I'll be honest with you, though. 150000 more than what I thought they were going to do with this card. But <laughs> then when you compare it to, obviously, the big fight leagues in the UFC and stuff, it's still relatively small. And, you know, I don't know if being that they kind of have more of a hands-on approach with their pay-per-view, I think they do it on, like, Fight TV. I think they get a little bit more of that money back than, like, the UFC does with theirs. But I digress. It's just... It's a circus show whenever we talk about Triller and what goes on there. So how long will it last? I think it just comes down to the interest that people show into it, to be honest. And again, for this main event, I don't see how there's much, much interest in it anyways. But, uh, you know, do them. Keep doing what you want to do. Don't do anything stupid and dangerous is all I care about. I care about the fighters that they're having over there. Yeah. You know, let's kind of get away from these late 40s, early 50s, late 50-year-old fighters. And uh, put on, you know, some more interesting competitive fights if you can, if you're Triller. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's their model. That's their demographic that they're going to cater to. And they're going to ride it till the wheels fall off. And the wheels, they are loose. Um, <laughs> I'll also mention, Dominic, the other question here. 150,000 buys. Look, it's not the lowest performing. You know, this isn't Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell 3 bad. Yeah, you know where that was only like I think they only got fifty thousand buys or something like that. You know, this is above um, some of the UFC events of the past couple of years. Like I remember UFC two fifty, the Amanda Nunes um, and Felicia Spencer got a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. So that's for a comparison, right there, I guess. But when you have names like Vitor Belfort, Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz, and Evander Holyfield, probably being him and Silva being probably the two names to kind of carry to buys. I think it is right. a big disappointment here. Um, and obviously when you put Donald Trump, Jorge Masvidal, um, people like that on your broadcast that you had to pay to be there, ain't no way this event made any money. And it just, they continue to just outdo themselves and how much money they can waste. Um, but, you know, that's, again, I know they're, I think a lot of their uh, model at this point or a lot of their plans are just, to really hope that they just get lucky on one of these events and they just blow up and they'll make back all the money that they've wasted up to this point. But I'm not seeing it in the future here. And, um, you know, regardless, last question, Dominic, because of this, 
and nobody's really talking about this, but you know, when an event only gets 150,000 buys, as much as we we want to say blame the promoters for not promoting the fight well, which you definitely can. Also, some of the flat goes to the fighters in terms of you know the ones carrying the bill here. Mm-hmm. Anderson Silva looks like he can still make a good run as in this kind of you know Paul Brothers like old man boxing style mm-hmm. thing going on. But with an event like this, that yes, he wasn't headlining, but he was one of the big names carrying it, only getting 150,000 buys. Does this harm his uh his potential, I guess, prospects for future fights in boxing? Um, I mean, and I maybe. guess, maybe, and and let me just maybe to give you some direction here. I mean, like, does would this hurt him getting a potential fight with Jake Paul or somebody like that because of you know the lack of buys here? No, you know, I, I just feel like a fight with Jake Paul or another established boxer like the Julio Chavez Jr. fight uh, would be carried a little bit more, not only by Anderson, <laughs> but then he just has a more quality opponent, right? I mean, were people really thinking Tito was going to come out here and outbox Anderson Silva? I mean, let's be honest. So I think it's going to come down to not only if it's with Triller or with, this, with like if it's with Showtime, obviously it's going to be marketed way bigger. We talked about True. how the Paul and Woodley fight was marketed so well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it hinders it too much. I think especially after the performance that he had. If anything, people are like, oh, shit, okay, this guy's still got mm-hmm. plenty of power and gas in the tank. So, no, I'd like to think it wouldn't hinder him too much. And even if it does, in my heart, Anderson Silva will never be hindered too much. I, so, I will yeah. say I, I don't think it does either. I thought that yeah. clip went that clip went bit viral, I will say. Oh, yeah. Which I, is such a complicated emotion for me to see that because I'm like, awesome. Anderson Silva's getting some shine. And then I'm like, wait a minute. The thriller events getting some shine. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, the Tito. I, I still, I'm not. I'm like the only yeah. person I think still likes Tito Ortiz in the world. So <laughs> I don't know. Everything's weird, but that's it for what weird. we missed. <laughs> Let's get into Bellator 266. Happened Saturday night. Uh, the headliner being Phil Davis. Wow, getting a huge win. One of his biggest wins of his career against mm-hmm. the soldier of God, Yoel Romero via split decision. Which However, is... yeah, <laughs> we'll get into okay. it. <laughs> so a, a split decision, but a very one-sided performance here from Phil Davis and, and Dominic talk, you give your thoughts on the performance. Cause I know you want to gush about Phil Davis, but it's very important that we evaluate Yoel Romero moving forward. What do you do with him if you're Bellator? What's next? This is back-to-back lackluster performances if you include the Adesanya title fight in the UFC that sent him out of the promotion. He's 44 years old. That eye injury doesn't seem to be going away. What do you do with him if you're Bellator? And you can talk about Phil Davis too. Of course. So with Yoel, obviously he goes out uh, competitive first round, but he was still pretty gun-shy, right, with his weapons and his power, his striking. But when the shots landed, they looked, you know, relatively significant. But Phil Davis uh, competed very well, much better than I thought he would on the feet. So Yoel um, inevitably loses this fight in what was a blasphemous split decision. I don't know how a judge scores this 29-28 for Yoel, but then you have two other judges that go all three rounds for Davis. By the way, one of them giving him a 10-8. 
I digress with the judging stuff, at least for now, until Noah brings it back up. Then I'm going to yell again. But uh, Yoel Romero, what do you do with the guy? He's already been delayed in his debut with Bellator. It was supposed to be earlier this year, as we mentioned, with Rumble Johnson. He has the eye injury that doesn't help things out. Then he loses here to Phil Davis. Yes, it's Phil Davis, the number three fighter in the world, former light heavyweight contender in UFC, former Bellator champion. So it's not a bad loss in terms of the competition, but the performance that he gave was not the greatest. He got relatively beaten down, especially rounds two and definitely round three was very one-sided. So what do you do with him? I think it's pretty clear, but again, it might come down to Rumble Johnson this time. If he can heal up properly, get back in early 2022, I think you do still have plenty of interest in seeing Yoel versus Rumble Johnson, regardless of kind of how Yoel loses his first fight in the promotion. You know, Anthony had his first win in the promotion, and he's 1-0. So I think it's a fight that still plenty of people want to see. I think that would be the clear next move. Still give some time off for Yoel. Obviously, it's September now, so Anthony has to heal up. I think that's what you do next. Mm-hmm. Phil Davis, wow. What a performance. One of the greatest performances of his career put on a complete showcase of his skills, right? I mean, a guy that's usually not known for his striking looked great with his range. His boxing looked clean. He landed very crisp shots on Yoel that didn't really hurt him, but they were very good shots. Mm-hmm. Then he out-grapples and out-wrestles the Olympic silver medalist. I have never, in my recollection, do I remember Yoel Romero being on his back in a fight. And if he was, it was not for as long as he was in this one. Phil Davis had five takedowns, four of them being in the third round, which was the 10-8. At least I would imagine it was the 10-8 on the judge's scorecard. And man, just everything about this performance made you so happy for a guy like Phil Davis that, again, not in the most exciting fights all the time, but a guy that deserves respect for what he's done and the accomplishments, the people that he's beaten. And this here was just kind of that feel-good moment for him. And he and he really took advantage of it, but in the best of ways. In the post-fight interview, talked about a friend that he lost years ago due to cancer. Then he shouts out his parents that are both going through cancer and how he's just acknowledging them and how they get him through these fights with their battles and just everything that he did was so great he shouted out his sponsors his friends his family everything was just fantastic in this from the build-up the performance the fight the post-fight interview and then what do you do next with phil davis we kind of talked about it on friday i think you go with a loser potentially of what comes out of this grand prix semifinal. maybe maybe he can wait until the end of the grand prix after such a great performance we'll see But, man, hats off to Phil Davis. And, of course, Yoel Romero, tough loss, but still love the guy. Still anxiously awaiting his next fight announcement for Bellator. We'll see what happens. Biggest takeaway here for me, the size difference. Phil Davis. We knew Phil Davis was going to be the bigger guy in terms of height, reach, and, you know, just he's more of a natural 205-pounder. Yeah. But the way he was able to utilize his size to his advantage, keeping Romero at bay with the jab, really the strength in those takedowns. And this was a just a great game plan put together here. And Yoel Romero just didn't seem to have any answers. You know, at mm-hmm. times he almost seemed uh, frustrated uh, to the point of almost like being inactive. Yeah. Um, that's why I put the headline statue of God because back-to-back fights where he just kind of had at times just stood right yeah. in front of his opponent and 
um, almost like out of pure frustration for them not allowing him to become a counterpuncher. Uh, so, and you're right. I, I, I think, again, I refuse to give Yoel Romero, despite how accredited his, his Olympic silver medalist wrestling is, refuse to even give it credit because he has never shown it in his in his UFC career. Mm-hmm. And here against Phil Davis, the size difference, once again, playing the factor, UL just got outclassed in every aspect, grappling, yep. striking. And then uh, I'm going to focus a little bit more on UL here because this is another big signing for Bellator that's not off to a great start. The fight with Rumble being scrapped because of an eye injury, and there's a lot of questions about that. I think we still don't really know for sure what's going on with that. Yeah. Um, then he does get his debut here against Phil Davis, and it's just a very one-sided performance by Davis, and he all doesn't look great. And then at the end, he seems very confused that the fight's over after three rounds. Yeah. Um, almost like as if he thought it was a five-round fight. People, I, I find it incredibly hard to believe. I love you all, Romero, but I find this incredibly difficult to, to register why he would think that because he signed a contract. He trained for, for months. Yeah. He, he literally on fight night, the, the referee talked to him in the back um, in between rounds, his corners talking to him. Are you telling me that his corner and everybody thought this as well? His whole training camp was based around five rounds. I'm not sure in hindsight would it have mattered. It's up for debate because I mean I I don't I can't see UL kicking it in to a second right. year in the later rounds. But regardless, I I saw that and I'm like, man, these Bellator signings this year with him and Rumble has just been really weird. <laughs> like, yeah. Did anything get? Can we just get some normalcy with with these two? Um, and that's no. And I'm not even talking about for Rumble. You know the illness. That's you can't plan for that. And you know. right. But for UL, what's next for him? Well, I'm going to tell you, Dominic, that uh, I I watched a very interesting interview by the man himself, Scott Coker. He did with the Schmo. Shout out to the Schmo. Of course. And and in that interview, um, I believe I forget what the question was, but essentially Scott Coker said that if Yoel Romero wanted to make a run at 185 pounds and fight Gegard Mousasi, he would allow it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did make it clear, though, Gegard and uh, Austin Vanderford is the fight that's going to happen first quarter of 2022. Rightfully so. Um, yes, agreed. But he said the winner of that fight, he's like, you all could fight them next mm-hmm. if you wanted to. So I hear that, and I don't see why, if you're Gilbert Romero, you don't take that opportunity. Yeah. Sure, you got outclassed here, but this is 205 pounds, which – should he be fighting at 185 pounds? Probably not. This is another one of those tweeners almost. If, if the UFC or Bellator had a cruiserweight division at 195 yeah. pounds, he'd probably be fighting there. But instead, he's fighting up at 205 pounds, and he he. I think there's a lot of matchups where that would be okay for him. This mm-hmm. was just a bad one in terms of sheer size difference and uh, the strength difference. It's just not a great way to get used to it for a guy who's never fought at that weight class. And I could totally see him going back down to what he's more comfortable with, even though we've seen him have a lot of struggles making weight in the UFC. I could see him fighting the winner of Gegard Mousasi and Austin Vanderford for sure. 
probably summer 2022. Yeah. Name value goes a long way, man, in the mm-hmm. fight game. And I hope Phil Davis does get a big fight next. I do think uh, he's deserving of it, even if his fight style doesn't always lead to very exciting bouts. I, I don't think that should matter in this mm-hmm. in this case. Um, he has fought a lot of the a lot of the top of the heat, though. So, what fight would that be? Would he? I mean, he's fought Nemkov. I believe he's fought Bader. He's yep. You know, the what matchup is there for him at this point is a good question, but. Regardless, if Anglicus if Anglicus gets past uh, Nemkov and wins this whole Grand Prix, I would like fun. to see. I'd love to see Phil Davis uh, put his name in the hat there. But that's a big, big step for Anglicus to take. But I, I just Phil Davis, big moment for him. Hope he mm-hmm. gets some opportunity next. Oh yeah, uh, main event from the UFC. Anthony Smith. I mean. This man, after looking like he was all but done at the tail end of 2020, he has came back in a big way. And dare I say, is putting on some of the most impressive performances of his career. 100%. Three in a row now, he gets the submission win over Ryan Spann. Three minutes, 47 seconds of round. You know. So, Dominic... Give your thoughts on the fight. And if you're Anthony Smith, what's next? We called it we called him a gatekeeper on Friday. Does he continue to do that? Or is he re- or is he proven here that he's ready for someone ahead of him? And maybe even give your thoughts for Ryan Spann, kind of another a, a bit of a step, a misstep in a, in a way, and what might be next for him. Yeah, so uh I do indeed think Anthony Smith has got his swagger back, Noah. I think he's got more swagger now than he ever has before. <laughs> this man, again, from the, you know, the, the, just, he got dominated on that two fight skid of his uh, yeah. and had lost three out of four if you take away that awesome performance he had against Gus after he lost to John Jones. Yeah. But now three in a row against three, I mean, bulls of people. I mean, Devin Clark fought last night, and you saw what he had to fight through with that gruesome teeth injury. I don't know. know. (laughs) But then he submits him. Then he destroys Jimmy Crude. I know Jimmy Crude had a couple moments there, but Anthony Smith on the feet looked as good as we had ever seen him in that one. His jab was picking Jimmy Crude apart, and then he finished with that nasty calf kick. He Mm -hmm. looked amazing in that fight. And then this one against Ryan Spann outclassed him everywhere the fight went for as long as it lasted. Looked great on the feet. Obviously gets the submission finish as well. And just, he looked amazing, man. You And you can't doubt him anymore, right? They call him Lionheart for a reason. And he just kind of blasted every one of his doubters after the fight last night. Between getting in Ryan Spann's face for talking bad about him and doubting Smith's abilities going into that fight. Then he gets in his post-fight interview and he's like, I just want the respect that I deserve and what I've had to fight through to get it. Uh, and that's all I'm asking. You don't got to like me. You don't got to root for me. But I ask that you respect me. And, man, how can you not respect a guy like Anthony Smith who's mm-hmm. inched and clawed his way to the top? And now he's still just hovering there at the top. So when you say what's next for him, well, no more gatekeeping right now because that's three straight people he's had to keep out of that top five. It's time to catapult him right back in and see if he's still got what it takes with the elite of this division. I think a perfect fight. And I'll give mine because I'm sure you're going to say yours that you said off camera. I think him and Dominic Reyes makes a lot of sense. He called for Alexander Rakich um, in December, or Rakich said he's available in December, and he said, sounds like an early Christmas to me. 
I'm not big on that rematch because it simply happened 13 months ago, and it was pretty one-sided for Rakic. Uh, I think the clear fight for Alexander is him and Yuri Prohaska for a number one contender fight. I mm-hmm. think that's – it almost is just, like, too obvious. Why has it not been made? I don't know. But uh, I think Reyes and Smith is a great fight. It's a fresh matchup, one where, you know, Reyes is definitely on a skid right now. We've seen that, but can still perform very well, and he's, a you know, an elite-level fighter still, in my opinion. And for Smith, can he prove? He's still in there with these these top three, these title contender type guys. So uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Would likely be another fight night headliner for Anthony Smith. But, you know, I'm all here for it anyways. Uh, and then for Ryan Spann, I think it was just too soon, I guess. I mean, he, get, he was number 11, launched in there with Anthony Smith, who's been in there for title fights uh, against the top level town of this 205-pound division. And he falls short. Uh, anywhere that the fight went. Yes, he was kind of throwing big bombs, and he did land against Smith, but nothing that hurt him and ever gave him an advantage, I should say. So uh, back to the drawing board, if you're Ryan Spann. I mean, he's 5-2 and two in the UFC. Again, a former Contender Series veteran. So does he maybe take one fight out of the ranks, depending on what happens on Tuesday morning? Maybe, just maybe. But uh, I think we haven't necessarily seen the last of Ryan Spann in terms of good victories. But I don't know if we'll ever really see him back in that top five area again, or at least getting wins there as of right now and what we've seen from him so far. Yeah, it just seems as good as Ryan Spann can be. You know, he's had some really good moments. His record's still very good in the UFC. I remember being shocked when you told me on Friday he was five and one in the promotion. Yeah. So now he's five and two. I was kind of shocked. I was like, I feel like I thought this guy had won just as much as he lost. So it shows that he's had a lot of good moments. But the holes just seem to be exposed a lot. You know, his chin's not the greatest. You saw the Johnny Walker fight, you know. Yeah. The elbows, and that was done. And also, his first fight, he was a two-time Contender Series participant. Yeah. His first bout was like a 15-second knockout loss to, um, I can't remember his name. He's he's, he's, he's still fighting. I'm going to have to look this up while I talk about it. But, um. Regardless, I've my whole thing going into this was like I need this to prove to me why this is a main event, and that mm-hmm. falls more on Ryan Spann than Anthony Smith, in my opinion. Because Anthony Smith, again, he doesn't need to be in another main event. He's had eight of them, <laughs> yeah. yeah, since July 2018. Well, and just in his career, but ultimately, Ryan Spann's the one who had who was being given a shot here, you know, mm-hmm. prove that you can do it against a guy like Anthony Smith, who is a proven asset to this division, who has beaten yes. a lot of good guys. He's lost to some good guys, but he's always usually Maybe. in the fight. Right. Yeah. And he, and you know, no, no disrespect when I'm going to be a little harsh here. I mean, he failed. That's, that's just the way it is. This was a complete failure. If, if you're, if you're Ryan Spann, you can't look at it any other way. Um, biggest moment, and it, it was a falter. Again, do I think that he was ready for this going in? No. And I I know I'm not smarter than the matchmakers who put this together. They obviously saw something, so they put this fight together. That's how it works. I just – hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'm just saying that, like, this confirmed, like, why was this – sure, this could maybe be a fight you give for him, you know, going up against Anthony Smith, but why is this a headliner? Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of exposed Ryan Spann for all the weaknesses he has. And now Anthony Smith got a huge moment 
And perhaps that may be more valuable than I'm even giving it credit for because he might be able to shoot himself into a huge matchup with the guy like Dominic Reyes, like you said. Um, only time will tell. I just <clears throat> I felt like he was more so just playing the role of uh of like the evaluator here. He's just he's the constant. Yeah, and you got a guy that you don't know what you're gonna get, and we'll see where he lines up in this division. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a weird, weird feeling afterwards in that sense. But Anthony Smith, though, this I I love the new attitude I was seeing here. I mean, this guy oh, yeah. has been so humble, so respectful through his career, and he's had this underbelly of like people that have kind of dissed him along the way, and I never really understood it. Me neither. Um, I just don't understand how like you could have a distaste or disliking for the guy. I mean, you don't have to love him as a fighter, but I don't even see how you – I mean, I don't know. I just I, I haven't really understood any of the backlash against Anthony Smith. I really don't yeah. get it. I mean, especially you look at – and this is no disrespect to, to uh, Aljamain Sterling, you know, the way he won the belt, because I'm, I'm not assuming that the guy was faking or anything. Yeah. Look at when Anthony Smith was in a similar situation with John Jones and he kept fighting and people kind of still shat on him at the time. And I'm like, crazy. I just don't think this guy can do anything right. <laughs> so I love the new attitude and the bit, a bit more of like, fuck you Chip on the shoulder. Big. Yeah. One. And I think that showed in the performance Ryan's fan mm-hmm. a bit, not, not necessarily overlooking Anthony Smith, but based on the interviews, wanting to treat him just like any other opponent. And yeah, I just think that that proved that could have been okay. But Anthony Smith came in here like, this is a guy that's dissing me. Yeah. That's not giving me my respect. And so he came in pissed off while Ryan Spann, very cool, collected. And you saw what happened. He ran right mm-hmm. through him. And this was big for Anthony Smith because I wasn't necessarily ready to come in here. You know, if you would have told me Friday, if he would, if he would have won, which I would have predicted him to, I wasn't necessarily prepared to come in here and say, give him top five, you know, yeah. I just wasn't, I just, it, it seems like he's kind of done the top five thing and hasn't really gone his way. And maybe he just needs to keep, you know, testing out these guys below him. But when like that, this, this guy looks to be still improving at the yeah, ripe age of, uh, is he 35? He's 36? only 33. 33. Right. And that was his 52nd professional yeah, fight. So, I, so his fight years should be higher. But yeah. I mean, he doesn't look to be all that, all, yeah. all that, you know, damaged, I guess. So uh, since you went with Dominic Reyes, I'm going to go with the winner of Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker, a fight that's mm-hmm. upcoming. Big implications in that one. You can argue if Johnny Walker wins that maybe he should be right in line for a title shot disagree but yeah I agree. Diago santos being on a three fight losing streak and johnny walker being kind of a iffy uh you know sometimes highlight reel performance yeah. and sometimes just what is this guy doing <laughs> right so i don't think a win for either one of those guys does anything more than just holding a position in the rankings anthony smith i would actually give the advantage in probably both matchups right now I agree. And um, you know, I think he's earned he's earned it. If one of those guys is top five after their matchup, I forget when they're fighting, but you know, Anthony Smith being at number six, I would definitely put him up against them and be like, prove that you're top five. Right. Because I think Anthony Smith is gonna have something to say about that. Oh yeah. I mean I love it. I love this 
new version of Smith. Mm-hmm. Not even this in fighting. Yes, he's gotten better, but just the whole attitude as you addressed, it's really showing a whole different side of him that we've never seen. And I, it makes me like him even more, man. The lion heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one more question before we move on. I know you mentioned your thoughts on a, a rakish rematch and I completely agree in terms of right now, Yeah, you know, where these guys are at. I understand why Anthony Smith wants it. Yeah. Because that's probably the worst loss. I talked about it so much on Friday. That shows how much that loss is really stuck yeah. with people. Even more so than the Clover to share a loss where he was losing teeth and all that. You know, that was brutal. Yeah. But he wants that one back, the the Rakich one. And I get it, but I just don't think it's the right time right now. Mm-hmm. However, do you think we see that fight run back, Dominic? If you had to guess Ooh. right now, based on where these two might project in your mind, do we ever see these two run it back? Do you just want a one-word answer? Sure. Do we ever see Rakich Smith too? A lot of this has got to be based on what you th- how how long do you think Anthony Smith hangs around the top? Because Rakich is going to be probably here for a while. We will, Noah. I, I guess that wasn't one word. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there I'm going to say yes too. <laughs> I wasn't planning on it, but I, after I think Rakich made it clear he's available in December, so maybe he's not completely opposed to to that fight down the line. But um, if if Anthony Smith keeps doing what he's doing right now, I think the UFC is going to have a hard time not giving him that fight again, especially yeah. if Rakich wins the title. <laughs> exactly. Anthony Smith uh, out of nowhere could end up being a, a title challenger once again. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's get into the rest because we got a lot of fights on this UFC card that standout performances, great back and forth fights. It was really just a, that 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 hodgepodge of everything we love about MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, we act, we're going to start with Armand Saryukin, who was clearly kind of the <laughs> the second name to watch on this card for the hardcore fans. You know, you go past that main event, sure, Kudalaba, Devin Clark was you know two fun guys having a scrap, but Armand Saryukin was kind of the second guy here. And what was most important for Saryukin, he's looked amazing in his UFC career. His only loss being to Islam Makachev. And he came in here against Christos Yagos, who um, not necessarily a guy tearing the house down, but a, a guy who's had a decent run in the lightweight division and definitely a formidable opponent. Mm-hmm. And, for Saryukin, I didn't really talk about this on Friday. Saryukin's been his the biggest knock on him has been that his style can be very safe at times. I believe every win he had had in the UFC up to this point was a decision. Yeah. And based on what Saryukin said after the win, it appears clear that Sean Shelby kind of said, Hey, you need to get a finish here if you want to go to top ten or top five. He and said he, my did, beer. he did just that. Yeah. Two minutes, nine seconds of round number one. Dominic, I'm just going to say it. This guy is a future title challenger for sure. I would say title holder. He does have a loss to Mr. Islam Makachev. So that yeah. may be the one thing that holds him back. But uh, did you get did you get those kind of vibes here with Armand Saryukin? Oh, this, this kid is an elite talent, um, especially in this stacked lightweight division. And, you know, he's 24, man. That's what's crazy to me. Like, 
we're about to be 24 and our asses ain't doing <laughs> what he's doing, man. It's just so crazy to see this young generation, a guy like this cracking into the most stacked division in all of MMA and making it look easy. I mean, like we said, that was kind of his big jump to get to the big jump. Is kind of how we described mm-hmm. it uh, on Friday. <clears throat> and he passes every test you could imagine with flying colors, even though you didn't get to see all of his weaponry. But what you did see was quite impressive. Again, his striking, his grappling, everything about him. He's so well-rounded, and that's just this new age of fighter that we're starting to see. And I think I'm just going to go. I know we don't always matchmake for the rest, but I'm doing it right here right now for Saryukin. He's number 14 right now. He's going to be a little higher come Tuesday morning, I'd have to imagine. I think you match him up now with a seasoned veteran who's been in there, and it's a tough test because he's just as well-rounded. Number 10, Mr. Gregor Gillespie, I think is a perfect welcome for so you can end the top 10. Hopefully Gillespie's not booked. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, I think that's a fantastic matchup in terms of grappling, in terms of striking. You can get Saryukin into the top 10 with a victory for Gregor. Fighting back just a little, but it's a guy with a lot of hype right now, so it's nothing too out of the ordinary for him. I think it's a fantastic test for both guys to see kind of where they can further their career into that top 10. Um, this kid... As Noah said, a future title challenger, I'd have to agree with you. Since you offered uh, what's next for Armand Saryukin, I guess I can give my opinion on it because I don't have, I don't really have a name in mind, to be honest. I just, but uh, truthfully, I hate it. I hate okay. having Gregor Gillespie. El- elaborate. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, oh. No, I mean, I, okay, not just kidding. I do hate it, but it's not. <laughs> For the, it's not for the reasons that you're probably thinking. That's not because okay. it's bad matchmaking. It's just because, for me, I think Gregor had such a stamp on his last fight with uh, Diego Ferreira. Yeah, he looked great. I want to see him get tested with someone. I mean, don't get me wrong; it would be a test. But these are two guys that could potentially fight in a contender type bout down the line. Yeah. Um, you know, I you can't always line these things up perfectly. Sometimes you're gonna have to just match guys up because it doesn't matter what their hot what their potential is or whatever. You just need to fight that makes right. sense. But I think uh, Gregor fighting back doesn't make the most sense. But it is a bout that I would be very excited to see if it did get put together, regardless of how I feel about it. Maybe right mm-hmm. now, rankings wise. But I like where your head's at with Saryukin because I do think he's ready for top 10. Oh, uh, I think with, and I think getting that finish was kind of the one thing that everybody's kind of waiting for. Yeah, yeah, waiting for with him. And his his own comments that apparently Sean Shelby said to him make that very clear. Um, next one, probably my favorite fight on this main card. Wow. Nate Manis and Tony Gravely. What a back and forth. <laughs> I thought for sure Nate Manis was about to get finished brutally at the beginning that second round. He didn't look like he knew where he was Mm-mm. at the end of the first. He didn't even sit on his stool. He, that man looked like he was in La La Land. And then he comes back and finishes the fucking fight in the second round, two minutes, 10 seconds in. You know, two guys that we didn't talk about on Friday. We probably don't really have much for them in terms of what their future holds, but yeah. Both guys deserve a round of applause. I know that's a tough loss for Tony Gravely, but the guy looked really good in the first round. Manis able to come back there. What a display here. What do you think about that one? 
this fight right here is why we love this shit. This is why we <laughs> podcast about mixed martial arts, yep. mixed martial arts, and nothing else. Because Nate Manis literally got knocked out at the end of the first round. Let's just be honest here. If he, there was two more seconds, that fight's yes. done. Dude, I said the same amount of seconds last night with my buddies. I said two seconds, dude. That's all it would have taken. Yeah. Um, that's the definition of say by the bell, if I've ever seen it in the UFC or in MMA. Because sure. he got dropped with the cleanest hook by Tony. And then he followed it up with nasty ground and pound. And luckily, just oh so luckily, did that bell ring before the ref could jump on to stop the fight. He gets up, and I still think, had he wobbled or stumbled at all after that, I think the ref would have stopped it between rounds. That's how gone. Well, did you see what he like did? He was. He had the, I think he crouched for a second. He like got up and then he yeah. kind of like just crouched down, probably yeah. because he was like, I don't know where I'm at. Exactly. Um, and then the fact that he comes out and not only wins the fight in the second round, but then knocks out Tony Gravely. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And these guys weren't originally supposed to be on the main card. So they, yeah, there was yeah. a fight that fell off and they eventually worked their way onto it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how about making, you know, taking advantage of that opportunity last second? What a fight for both of these guys. If you're Tony Gravely, Gravely, keep your head up, man, because you look good, very crisp on the feet. And for Nate, I mean, wow, man, <laughs> keep going because you're going to be a fan favorite. No matter how far you ever reach in the rankings, people are going to tune in to see both of these guys fight. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, even following that to open our main card, this one was exciting as well. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Buckley having to come back from some adversity to get that KO of Antonio Arroyo. Third round, two minutes, 26 seconds in. Joaquin Buckley adds another one to his list. Does what did you again. think of this? Listen, man, for Antonio, I just want to say I feel bad for this guy. I feel so bad for him. He's now 0-3 uh, in the UFC, all against very, very good fighters um and in this one this was the performance we were waiting to see from the guy he looked good throughout he's such a massive human being i don't even know how he makes weight there but um he looked good on the feet landed solid shots on you know buckley but never over overwent. i guess i'm mm-hmm. blanking on the exact word i'm looking for but he never pushed it too far and he made the right decisions up until he gets clipped and it was <laughs> one of those shots like right behind the ear i mean it dropped him and buckley went in for the finish so shout out to buckley because we're always going to see him either getting knocked out or knocking out someone else that's 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 the he's garnered for himself at this point 100 so uh, i can't wait to see where he gets matched up with next and for arroyo it's so unfortunate because he's now zero and three after looking so good on the contender series i don't know if he's going to get cut He, he likely will but it just sucks so bad that he looks so good until he didn't um but man what a fight that was as well it was very fun yeah uh, i I now i didn't on friday i said i knew that he had tough fight like his first two bouts were against tough who was before when andre munez yes they said that last night on the broadcast and i forgot so he fought andre munez who's now top 15 darren Wynn, who's just a really weird matchup for anybody such a tough wrestler and then joaquin buckley I mean, that's tough. <laughs> that's a, that's three completely different type of fighters. Yes. Jiu-Jitsu and Munez wrestling and win and the knockouts of Joaquin Buckley. The hands, Crazy. as I would yeah. say. Um, yeah, he's 0-3 now. He had to win two different bouts on the contender series 
so tough. He was on the contender series Brazil and then mm-hmm. got a more stamp win on the American version of contender series. I think this is probably the end of the road right now. Nine and yeah. five, zero and three in the promotion. But he is one of those guys that I could see coming back. He's only twenty. He's thirty-two, so that's not the best age to be trying to work your way back in. But I mean, I liked what I saw here from him. Truthfully, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be upset if he did get another bout. The problem is, Same. he showed such a weakness in his grappling that. He's you're basically his only chance, it seems right now, in terms of UFC level talent, is to put him up against other strikers, other guys right. like Joaquin Buckley, where they can have this kind of fight. This is where Antonio Arroyo shines. But that Darren Wynn fight was a snoozer and one where he couldn't stop a takedown to save his life. Yes. And um, I just I worry about that for him. Like, is it really worth keeping the guy around if he if you already know that like he is completely exposed in that a- area that is so important? So uh maybe go back and work on it for the next couple of years and maybe you can have a late resurgence and get a yeah. late run in the UFC. You know, that's that's what I'll say. Good fight though. How about this one, Dominic? Raquel Pennington. Rocky. Yeah, she's gonna be bouncing back into that top ten. Gets the unanimous decision win over Penny Kianzad. Penny, it was a very close fight, in my opinion. I agree. I, yeah. I, 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 I wasn't scoring it like I normally do. I wasn't paying close enough attention to do that. But from what I saw, I was actually a little surprised when Raquel got the nod. But based on everything I read, it appeared pretty clear to most people that it was a two to one for her. I remember thinking Panty, it looked like Panty just off of what I had watched um, that I thought Panty had done enough. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, very close fight. I think Raquel showing that she still has some some stuff left in the tank here. And for Panty, I, I don't think this puts her back too much. She had a nice win streak coming in. You lose to a veteran and Raquel who, in a very close fight, may I add, and Honestly, both these women could be fighting ahead in their next bouts, and I wouldn't be upset. Yeah, I was very surprised at how fun this fight really was. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of clinch work, don't get me wrong, but so much dirty boxing and good Muay Thai strikes. Oh, a lot of good knees. Yeah, the Muay Thai yes. clinch. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, very impressive from both, if I'm being honest. Panny was her biggest test yet. And yes, she did fail, but it was very close. I had it one-to-one, came down to the third for me, and it was a toss-up. So I was fine with whoever got the victory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Raquel looked like she's still evolving as a fighter after such a long layoff. Hadn't fought since last June. Was hospitalized for like a month with COVID type. Uh, hospitalized twice. Yeah, hospitalized twice on a ventilator for 30 days. So shout out to her for even coming back and looking so good. Better than we've really seen her in a while in terms of her well-roundedness. Her striking at distance looked really quick and accurate. So I'm glad to see Raquel get a big win kind of get back into that top 15. And then obviously for Panny, keep your head up. You were on a big win streak before this. As Noah said, it doesn't hinder her much at all. Yeah. And I, and I think what adds to that is that it was a fun fight. And yeah, in this, in this division, this women's bantamweight division, that's more important than anything else right now is, yeah, you know, we just need some life put into this division. And these two women showed a little something here and I hope they both get a big fight next. Exactly. Last one to talk about. I just had to give this guy a, a moment here. Mm, Mr. Mm, Ro- mm. Mr. Zhu. Probably butchered that name, but Zhu, I believe, is how it's pronounced. 
He got a TK over Brandon Jenkins in round three, four minutes, 35 seconds in. Yeah, literally like right at the, the 11th hour. Yeah. And is about uh, Mr. Wrong Zoo is 21 years old. Crazy. I believe last or Saturday night made him the first fighter born in the 2000s to win a fight in the UFC. That's something. We're old, huh? He's the and, youngest fighter on the roster right now. And not even all that. You know, that's great. But the guy's seasoned. He's 18 and 4 in his professional MMA career. Yeah. Dominic, do you see any potential with Rong Zhu? I do. I think he had a very well-rounded performance. Looked great grappling, looked great on the feet. I think this isn't the last we hear of him. He's going to be in some big fights in the future. And he's fun, right? We always love the fan-friendly fighters, and he was always looking for the finish, was having fun, looking with his corner and talking to him. At one point, he kind of had Jenkins knocked out, but he didn't realize it because he was looking away. I'm like, dude, just oh, hit him a I, Yes, I, when he was, on the, he was on the ground. He was like yeah, talking Jenkins to his corner. Jenkins was like face-planted on the yeah. ground. I'm like, bro, you can finish this fight right now. But he ended up getting the finish anyway. Again, 21 years old, the youngest fighter on the UFC roster, gets a big win. Wowzers. We are old. That's my biggest takeaway from that one. (laughs) Just another name to add to that lightweight division. And may I be so bold. May I be so bold to to matchmake for the youngest fighter in the weight class. Okay. Yeah, look at that. We usually don't do this on the rest, as Dominic hey. said. But uh, Patty Pimblett, where you at? Fight Rong Zhu. <sighs> Two guys that are so young, still developing. Mm. A lot mm. of fun. Rong Zhu is a big fella in that lightweight division. He was powerful here. I don't know if Patty. I want Patty to prove it, man. I feel like I'm. A, I feel like I'm a hater. I don't want to be. Mm. Man. Sign me up for that. Hey, UFC, hire me, dog. Hire no kidding. Us. We're waiting Don't, on the contract. Yeah, I, I only go if Dom goes too. Yeah, we're a package deal. Yeah, yeah. obviously. But uh, that's gonna wrap it up here. Unless Dominic, was there anything else you wanted to? Any other performances, fights that you wanted to give a shout to before we wrap it up? Those were the biggest ones for me, man. Great mm-hmm. night of fights. Great weekend of fights. Yeah, uh, that's gonna wrap it up here for the. MMA weekend recap. Let us know your thoughts on all the action that took place Saturday night. Uh, many of the news stories we talked about, what your feelings are going forward. Is the World Fight League going to be a player here within the next couple of years? Um, next week, or I guess this week, I should say. Uh, so Monday episode, obviously, you're listening watching right now. <laughs> yeah, We'll have two more this week. Mm-hmm. Right. Reddit Roundtable will be on Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that. And then Friday, we're back with another preview. <laughs> oh, and Dominic, it feels like it's been a year since we had a pay-per-view to talk about. But UFC 266 is finally here. Oh, and they're and bringing that one's, <laughs> that one's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about. Oh, yeah. Nick Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler, um, Ortega Volkanovsky, Shevchenko, Lauren Murphy. It all goes down next Saturday, and we're going to talk about it on Friday. Oh, yeah. But until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Beastly14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact, go do all the fun stuff that the kids do on social media these days with our podcast on Twitter and Instagram at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. 
And for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter, Instagram, at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to a link which will provide you with a link tree yeah, it's really that cool. has that has a list of links to right. take you to all the platforms the podcast on along with the social media platforms. So that includes, but it's not limited to, except it kind of is, hmm. the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, Apple Podcast. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Put the hands together. Shout out, Anchor. <laughs> First, leaving a voice message. Do it. Yep. Do it. Quit being shy. Get your pretty little voices on this show, damn it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> if, if you have a thought, if you have a question that we're you'd losing like to, him. You have a question you'd like to propose to the Joes. You can do it at that link, or if you just have a thought about an upcoming fight, a news story, just want to say hi or call a piece of shit. Nice. You can you can put that, you can get that little ass up in that studio and record us a little message. Also, there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a small sum a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. Um, you know, giving me some cough drops so, so I don't, yeah, have, so my lungs don't can stop falling out of my ass while recording. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, you know, things like that. Uh, that would be great, but uh, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter, Instagram at ntbaker underscore. That's it, we're out. We'll see you on Wednesday. See you there. <laughs>